interracial couples on a quest where fantasy and the real world collide. This is When Crit Happens. Okay, welcome to Talking Crit. We're going to talk about it. Where we invite folks to chat with us about various ways that fantasy and the real world collide. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was just a thing. I don't think I've ever nice. made that sound before. No, that was the first I'm time. Uh, I'm Torsten Johnson. I use he, they pronouns. And I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts today. Joshua David Robinson, they, he. Kicking it over to... Kylie Marie Brinkman. She, her. And... Yes, today we are extremely excited to welcome to the show. He is a uh, podcaster, writer, teacher, and game designer. He's the head of creative, whatever that means, at a Multitude, <laughs> an independent <laughs> podcast company based in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, shout out Kings County. He is the host of several podcasts, including Tell Me About It. Join the party and Games and Feelings, which is an advice show that answers questions at the intersection of fun and humanity. Mm, Sounds interesting. And he is self-proclaimed the best DM in podcasting. He is... Eric Silver. Welcome wah, wah, to the wah, wah, show, wah, wah, Eric. Wah, wah. <laughs> there it is. Big symbols <laughs> crashing. Yes, hello. It's so nice to be here. We're going to spend 50 minutes talking about bacon, egg, and cheeses, I assume. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> New York City people are talking about tabletop RPG, so we're not going to talk about any of that other shit. We have a walkable city, and we're going to spend the entire time talking about yeah. which yeah. one of our bagel places yes. is the best. Great. So which Great. one is the best? Yeah. What's oh, your man. Plan? Goodness uh, gracious. Bring it out. Right in. Or tough. Right I mean, I, I have too many family members on Long Island to say in New York City, <laughs> bagel <laughs> place is the best. So it's sure. I, I'm pulled in many directions. That's fair. We don't want to blow up your spot here on the pod, okay? So we yeah. want to make sure that you feel safe so you don't need to come down you know, hard on pod. Afterwards, we're going to need that recommendation. <laughs> All right, well, Eric, since you're new to the to our listeners, uh, do, would you mind sharing your pronouns and then the name of a character that you have played in a role-playing game? Ooh, Ooh, fun. That's a very good question. My name is Eric Silver, he, him pronouns, and the name of a character that I played in a role-playing game, I want to use one... I had a home game of Masks oh. where I played a character named, which if you don't know about Masks, is a Powered by the Apocalypse game uh-uh. where you play teenage superheroes, yes. which was really fun. I love that Amazing. game. It's the one, it's a mm. PBTA games form follows function the most, where it's like mm-hmm. you are going to play this one thing and you're going to do it as best as possible. Mm-hmm. So I played a character, I think it was like August Summerstein and his, uh, his superhero name was Wyvern because he just had like dragon wings was like his only power. Love so he that. was very much like a that... Robin and Teen Titans sort of figure <laughs> mm-hmm. for his like mm-hmm. teen group for his teen group. So it was a lot of him getting like very overwhelmed by his low level of superpower of his actual superpowers. <laughs> it was really fun. Wyvern. Yeah. Because Wyvern Keep Wyvern's the dragon that only has two le- that has two wings and two legs. Right. That's right. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the taxonomy <laughs> of dragons. I remember when I started playing D&D, my good friend mm. started to chastise me because I was getting the names wrong because, you know, <laughs> certain dragons have certain names and yeah. the ones with four legs 
are different than the ones with two legs. I didn't even know this was a thing till now. So thank you. <laughs> till right in this moment. Yes. <laughs> now I yes. Know. And this is why nobody this is why nobody played D and D for so long. <laughs> because there were people around who'd be like, No, this is this dragon because it has six mm-hmm. legs and then it has a what a nictating membrane and therefore it is this. And I'm well, like, now no, I know. Pass, so please, I, I just want to have look fun. Like a fool at Game Volcon. If it comes up, I'll know now. <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about this because yeah. This is what baffles me about how popular Baldur's Gate 3 is as someone mm-hmm. who like plays tabletop RPGs and like read the mm. DM's guide, you know, and re- read that stuff. It's like totally. it's so funny that they injected all like the horniness and like uh, openness yeah. of role playing <laughs> that people mm-hmm. like from 5th edition by making it such a like robust character like robust character uh interactions Mm. and like so many Mm. different choices for a computer rpg and then like you need to play dungeons and dragons as if it got literally pulled out of the book and then you have and with a dm who refuses to play anything without (laughs) rules is written and i'm like how are you all enjoying this have you played Baldur's gate 3 at all no i I am uninterested also same, with doing same. anything inside of the Forgotten Realms. Mm, like, mm. because it's also because it's ripped from the book, it's I, it's Wizards of the Coast, like, fantasy IP, which, yeah. like, mm. has so, like, you can't go three, uh, three steps without, like, saying a fantasy slur to a drow. So, mm. so I'm just wow. like, I'm so okay. deeply uninterested Yikes. in this mm. that yeah, totally. I just don't want to be a part of this fantasy world. So, no, uh-huh. I haven't played it. But, like, I, it's lighting up games, uh, like games media right now. It's shocking. I really hope, like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, game of the year, game of the year. I'm like, you remember, did you forget Zelda that quickly? You forgot Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> truly, that quickly? Yeah. Truly, like, yeah. All of them need to put away their boners for like vampire sluts or whatever's <laughs> happening in the game. And I hope that like Spider-Man 2, once it comes in October, everyone will like figure it out by then. But I'm just, I'm so flummoxed by it. So the, I feel like we're, we're starting to get into the crit here. Yes. It sounds like you're not interested in continuing to support the wizard's ip so what what is it that draws you to this world of role-playing games yeah i mean that so the the most nefarious thing i think that wizard of the coast is doing right now yeah is that they are making dungeon and dragons to mean two things at the same time uh-huh. one the game mm-hmm. which i like i like a lot i it's a very flexible and combat focused and there's a lot going on with fifth edition it's a very good yeah. tabletop rpg game mm-hmm. it has flaws i'm not saying it's perfect i play plenty of other tabletop rpg games but it's very good and i think it's the best game for actual plays right now here in 2023 mm. On the other hand, is the publishing and com- and economic apparatus that is owned by the Hasbro <laughs> company. And mm. I think that they try to say the same thing at the same time. For example, the D&D movie mm-hmm. is set in the world of the Forgotten Realms. Right. It's set, the, the name of the movie is called Dungeons and Dragons. Right. It does not have anything to do with the game yeah. other than uh, they keep saying that all the spells that were used were also from the book. Sure. But it's not. It's the Forgotten Realms, which... Before, well, now it's funny because it's coming around to being an IP factory again. But originally, I read this Mm. book about the history of TSR, Mm -hmm. which was the company that Gary Gygax started. It's not a very good book, so I'm not going to (laughs) recommend the name name of the book for you. But I read it, and it's like they were – their money came from publishing books. They were a publishing company. Not Mm -hmm. only the game books, but like Mm -hmm. fantasy novels. And The Forgotten Realms came from a – campaign that a guy wrote into and then developed into a series of novels 
punctuated by R.A. Salvatore, right. a very popular fantasy writer who made these books very popular. And that's yeah. where, like, some of our favorite char- characters, and by favorite, I mean, like, the ones in the game book are from. Mm-hmm. Like, Drizzt is from those totally. from those novels, right? And yet they're trying to smush the same things at the same time. And I don't know how you can make a game that helps you do imaginary storytelling, For how sure. that can be an IP factory. Mm-hmm. And it really frustrates me because the Forgotten Realms is the most bog standard fantasy ass fantasy story mm-hmm. that exists. Like literally there was a uh in like I think it was in the 90s there was literally a lawsuit brought by the Tolkien estate to tell Dungeons and Dragons to stop it. You can't yeah. use my words. You can't do it. And then they settled and they kind of parsed out different mm-hmm. different things in different places. And like the problems that we have of like, why would anyone, if they're really trying to open the doors to everyone, everyone can play Dungeons and Dragons, which I don't think they are because of how much they cater to this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But if everyone is supposed to be playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? How do we have so much baked in fantasy racism into the the basis of this fantasy world? I just don't get it. So that's why we're playing Baldur's Gate 3. And if you play a tiefling, you can't take five steps without someone harassing you. It's like, hey, it sounds like only one group of people can play this and enjoy it and be like, huh, this is what it would be like to have slurs thrown at me. What a wonderful, interesting, and different experience that I can turn on and turn off and just walk away from, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously we're talking about race because color of skin and also because of the way that, you know, fantasy has categorized that, that apparently elves and dwarves Mm -hmm. and drow and tieflings are races, which is hilarious and fucking ridiculous. But it's also like, you know, every other ethnicity. I'm seeing all the time on Twitter how, like, whatever Jews are responsible for on Elon Musk's new company. Mm. And it's like, that shit is baked in too. I mean, dwarves are Jews. Mm. That's what Tolkien said. That's he, mm-hmm. he literally said the dwarves were a Semitic people and that stuff is still in there. Like, you know, it's weird that liches keep their, keep their souls in the same thing that Jews use to like pray every morning. And that shit bothers oh. me a lot. I wrote an article a little while ago in, in Alma, which is like millennial Jewish blog about mm. this. Like it's still uh, the core book of Dungeons and Dragons still uses prop- propagates these Jewish problems and it's it bubbles up every once in a while and then Wizard of the Coast is like sorry I'm too busy ignoring the issue and just kind of moving on and just selling video games and IP and books and magic cards etc. Well, I had so, no idea. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us <laughs> and our audience. I had no clue. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll wow, shoot y'all the shit. link to that uh, that article. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes. It also just feels uninteresting. Right. Beyond the problems that exist within this in Forgotten Realms, it's boring because it's it's kind of inherently a lowest common denominator as the world that they've chosen for the standard modules, it has to have all these different possibilities so that they can publish a bunch of different adventures there. Right. And then if that's what you're trying to identify with D&D as a brand, that's a boring place because it's just like everything is possible and it's kind of like a, a mushy gray soup. Right. And we talked about this a little bit on our show before. Like what I would love for them to double down on is the magic that is you getting to choose where you go as a group of players and as a group of adventurers and having, you know, the the, the brilliant thing about all of these games, not just D&D, is that you get to go and explore the things that you want to with your group of friends mm. and you aren't limited by fantasy pastiche. Right. But all we're getting is a 
just a gray mush of fantasy tropes, mostly from Europe. So as the greatest DM in podcasting, <laughs> when you're setting up a campaign with your players or, or even if it's not part of a podcast, session zero, even pre-session zero, are there things that you talk about with, a, with your prospective players acknowledging the potential pitfalls that are baked into this system, yeah. but still encouraging people to, you know, to have a good time and, and to feel safe. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. I think that that's something that I think we lose our eye on the ball. Mm -hmm. It's like the thing you got to remember is that we're playing a game. Well, ultimately, mm -hmm. we're trying to have fun. And no matter what, you should just be trying to have fun. Mm -hmm. And any accommodation to make that happen, it should be. As a DM, if I literally was coming at this from zero, I would have to ask myself, is it going to be fun to come up with fake slurs and yell them at my players? <laughs> oh my like, right, basically, if we're, yeah. if we're literally talking yeah. to the, like, most smooth-brained 18-year-old or college student who doesn't know better, right? Uh -huh. And you're being like, do you really want to try to come up with a slur and say it in front of your friends when you're trying to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like, is that really what we're trying to do? Blech. For me, I would not really understand how this would be fun. Mm. We're playing a fantasy game, whatever, whether we're talking about capital F fantasy or lowercase fantasy. Uh -huh. We can make whatever we want. So I don't understand why we would necessarily want to do this. Mm -hmm. Hey, what are things that make you uncomfortable? Dealing with uh, ethnocentrism and xenophobia. <laughs> mm, mm. Like, I, I don't know if I want to necessarily deal with this. Sure. The species subjugation of fantasy is so baked into this stuff. Where yes. Like, wow, oh, there are all these monsters that, like, make slaves out of humans and stuff. I, I just can't really understand why someone would enjoy that in their time away yeah and that's a major plot point in mm -hmm. Baldur's gate 3 so i'm just like oh is it okay guys whatever what? yeah hard pass it's tough it's, rough. It, it's funny it's one of those things that it's like this imaginary conversation that you were talking about that like all right what's off limits yeah even that conversation can be something that's fraught because like for me and tor sure i can tell tor that like sure. that i really don't want to deal with this thing or that thing or that thing but if i'm coming into a game with like people who i know but like not i'm not necessarily like best buds Super with, close with yeah. to reveal something that's going to be right. triggering or something that's going to be difficult for me even that act is like maybe more vulnerable than i want right. to get in that moment so like as you're like running a game like do you check in with folks during the game? Are you, are you all mm. spidey senses about like, oh, is this person feeling a little bit uncomfortable? Do I need to check in with them? Mm. Like, or is it just them like being a badass role player? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done a lot of teaching and stuff as well. And it's sometimes running a game feels very much like that because I'm just like, all right, I also have to be like hyper vigilant yeah. about any perceived discomfort or which is often just a spark of curiosity that somebody's got something else is going on but like it still is like for me a hyper vigilance when i'm running something do you, do you experience something like that honestly as well? i think teaching's really a really good comparison point i was a high school english teacher uh, mm. That was my first thing I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. Mm. And then mm. uh, my high school was in a grade fixing scandal. So I'm like, oh, mm. I actually don't. This is tough Whoa. for me to deal with. But I, and also I was a camp counselor for a very long time. And I think that that's really hard when you're trying to, for lack of a better word, cultivate a vibe. Like people need to come out of this with like 
fun and good experiences and feeling good and open to whatever this like participation as a group we're going to do together. So yeah, mm-hmm. I could be like, hey, is everyone having fun? Did I offend anyone? Is everyone good? <laughs> like the, when you over check in, then it ruins the yeah. vibe. So then yeah, yeah. you got to be mm-hmm. hyper vigilant and like DMing uh, and GMing is such like a service position, mm, you know, mm, like, yes, you, mm. I, you know, I felt like what I was like when I was a teacher and when I was a camp counselor is like, I'm doing this for me on some level, but also I'm doing, I'm especially doing it for you, the players, mm. the students, the campers, right? Like mm. you are here to participate in the, in the thing that is happening here. I'm facilitating this. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really hard balance. I think then, then to talk about your, what you said before, Joshua, about if you can go up to Tor and being like, Hey, I know you're super into when goblins enslave humans, <laughs> but we're not doing that today. <laughs> and then Tor's like, Oh wow. I got to dial this back. I really got to dial it back. <laughs> but it's like, um, you got to figure out a way to do it nicely. It's like the responsibility of the DM to be like, to bring up that thorny topic so no one feels like they need to bring it up. Be like, hey, mm. I have mm. these safety tools. I'm really not interested in doing this stuff. And I don't think you are all either. If you're just nod your head, if you're into this, like you got to, the burden has to go on the facilitator to be prepared to make sure that the player doesn't feel uncomfortable having to do the thing that you just suggested yeah uh Joshua. yeah absolutely it, yeah it's interesting it's it's tough certainly and like you know when yeah. my players i've been playing for like six years on a microphone so it's like mm-hmm. you know at this point we get it but it still took it took a long time and there's a lot of conversations we had like before recording after recording on the microphone facilitating that mm-hmm. stuff and we cut it but mm-hmm. you know there's 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 a lot <laughs> it's still people bouncing off of each other yeah yeah so i've been busting your balls about being the uh, best dm in podcast <laughs> well i am but so I, thank but, you you're not yes, busting my so, balls you're bringing it up <laughs> and i appreciate i'm just you giving are. you your your proper honorific of course <laughs> so so where, where did this honorific come from who bestowed this title upon you oh you know when it when something bubbles up inside you you just gotta say it you gotta let them know <laughs> to let them know i have all i got all the tools i have all yeah. the tools to and i'm the best one i'm the best dm in podcasting i got all the tools that everyone that everyone does uh and i just i need people to know i need people to i got i gotta let them know do you have Love something it. that you're like specifically proud of when it comes to like those tools or like maybe it's an experience damning that you want to tell us about but yeah curious about what you're proud of. yeah so this is like i'm a, i love sports i'm a big sports guy i love basketball football right. i'm into Um, But yeah, those are my main ones. And but this is actually from baseball. Is like you know, there's a five tool player. Mm. uh, When they talk about Mm. baseball, uh, baseball players is like you can hit for power, you can hit to get on base, speed, fielding, throwing are the five tools, right? Okay. And I also from the amount of like I've been DMing through the cusp of actual play podcast like join the party started Mm -hmm. in 2017 when Mm -hmm. i got really we got into the adventure zone which i think is kind of like the the demarcation of this boom and Mm -hmm. seeing it it's like oh you know we could do this with intention either i want to do this i want to participate in and that's when join the party started to come together so i've been i've been consuming and understanding this art form for a very long time and i've been seeing how different dms do it and like some dms are really a lot of dms the most popular dms are really good like one or two things 
right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's like facilitating the game, whether it's storytelling, whether it's like coming up with stuff on the fly and people not Mm -hmm. knowing whether or not you came up with this or not. Now, I'm not saying improvisational comedy. That's not one of the tools, but it's like, you know, (laughs) a lot of them are really good at these one things, but I'm like, oh, I'm good at all of them. And I, that makes me the best DM in podcasting. I got the, I got the five tools. Awesome. There's it. the PowerPoint. It will be in the show notes. You can click to the link that shows that Eric is just, just, just a fact. It's not even a boast anymore. It is truly yeah. just factually the best DM in podcasting. And I just learned something I'm about I'm good baseball. at running the... I'm good at like coming up with my own game mechanics. I'm good at understanding Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. I'm getting much better at voices, but my characterization is off the charts. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm good at storytelling. I got all of them, dog. I got all yes. of them. And people got to know. I'm just letting them know. That's right. You're doing a service again. Just letting them know. Yeah, exactly. I saw a, a post uh, that you did about this where it sounded like you, you put concerted effort into like bumping the ones that you felt like might not have been quite as high yeah um so again this is from like consuming a lot and seeing like wow well because you know the things that so many of them are focused on from the current mode of this artistic form of Mm -hmm. of actual play is like you know they're actors and they're in la and they have Mm -hmm. a video camera on them and Mm -hmm. since they're voice actors they're very good at accents they're like very good Mm -hmm. at coming up with coming up with like jokes on the fly. Mm. I mean, listen, it does sound like Brennan Lee Mulligan has a novel in his head at all times. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I'm not as good at times. him at doing, believe me. It's, it's <laughs> incredibly incredible. But like, I've been thinking a lot about how to get my characterization better. And I think mm. that not just having to do when we're talking about like traditional fantasy, like yeah. I don't have to do Scottish for dwarves. I don't have to do British for elves, mm. right? I can mm, just do mm-hmm. whatever for whatever. And I can do like my bad impressions can be characters, right? So I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, just taking the voices I'm good at and just being able to apply them and just helping my NPC creation, right? Mm -hmm. When I figure out their vibe, I can put a voice to them that will help me and also the players distinguish who they are and then i'll also be able to have fun because if it's a voice that makes my players laugh i can just keep bringing them back and bringing them back and just sort of remember what to do in one of the join the party campaigns uh there was a uh an eight-year-old who was the we did a monster of the week campaign that was set at a summer camp kind of with like a gravity falls vibe uh because it's oh, like amazing. horror you know like that that gravity falls funny cartoon horror and there was an eight-year-old who is the son of the camp director, and uh, and his name was Boo. And he was like this. So, hey, I just need to – you just got to give me a snack. And it's like, I would like watermelon right now. I'm going to have it and because I ran out of this one. Here's my rod. Please take it from me. And it's just fun. It's just good. And it's easier you, to communicate you know, exposition when you have that totally. voice on. Did you know that that was going to be the popular, like the the one that the party was interested in when you invented it? Or well, it that... made me laugh, Tor. Okay, <laughs> great, great. <laughs> so it was like, I'm going so to use this is... for now, and then I'm good once I use it, I'm going to see how. So people follow your own it. joy. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to start there. I mean, like totally. there are so many layers between when it comes out on podcast. Right, it's me preparing uh-huh. it me saying it out loud, my yep. players responding to it, and then the editing mm. process, and then mm-hmm. it starts to get heard. So it's like, I got to throw whatever I can at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, totally. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, anyone, any of your bad impressions, just use as NPCs. Don't look at them like accents. <laughs> your impression of whoever or whatever that you have, use uh-huh. that instead of trying to do your 
four out of ten Irish impression, right? Your four out of ten <laughs> Irish accent. Yeah. So, like, again, following your joy, having a great time. And, like, based on, like, some of, like, the things that you've been interested in in your podcast, yeah. it seems like you are also interested in getting into some things that are a little bit complicated to talk about. Do you find that, like... Following your joy and using humor and jokes are something that is that, that helps people be able to go to places that they might not normally be interested or able to go. Yeah, of course. I think that is kind of a complicated thing that we're doing here, right? The actual play genre, right? Mm-hmm. We are using a game which is based in just imagination to like tell a story, right? But then we are turning that story into recorded story instead of just like the oral tradition of just throwing stuff at the wall and making having your friends enjoy them, right? right. Like there is there's mm. so many like I said there's levels of creative abstraction in between mm-hmm. here. But I never yeah. want an actual play to lose the game mechanic at the core of it. Like listen, mm. We could just do long form improv, which everyone apparently <laughs> is into now. So, like, we could do that instead. I, I would much rather roll the dice, use the mechanics, and see how they help us tell the story mm-hmm. to make that happen. And then we can figure out what happens next, right? Like, yeah, we're going to be funny and it's going to be jokes, but I would rather do the X Men exploration of like otherness than just try to hit someone over the head with it. And I think that's what the abstraction of games can do for us. And also, Mm. you know, the full fantasy thing that we were talking about is like, we can use this opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, I'm doing it for me as well. Like, I say all the time, all of our NPCs are Jewish because I get to say so, you know? Like, I'm (laughs) just every single one. But at the same time, my my bigger issue (laughs) is that like, you know the best person to consume the fantasy genre? You have to be a lapsed Catholic. Right, that's the, the, the whole thing. Because what say you more need to about know, that, Eric. You say need more. to know everything about Catholic churches, because apparently that's the only structure that religions and fantasy stories are based on. But then you also sure. have to hate that, and, and that's the core group of people that fantasy stories are for. Lapsed Catholics. So just being able to like world build from a non-Christian perspective, like I'm not even mm. saying Jewish, like from a non-Christian pers- perspective has been really freeing and fun for me, which is why mm. like mm. campaign three, I feel very empowered to come back to like a, a fantastical world instead of a world like our own, because now it's like mm-hmm. a world of planted bug people. And it's mm. like, and then we're telling a pirate story a la one piece. And it's, it's so much yeah. fun. I feel so much mm-hmm. more empowered to like tell the story the way I want to see it because I cannot see mm. I cannot find a story that is not like steeped in what I have now come to understand is just like the residual type, how the how like the norm is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that I'm hearing you say that you bring what's happening in your life and who you are and, and like what you're interested in into your campaigns. Yeah. Do you ever find it going the other way? Because I mean, like our whole jam is about yeah. how fantasy and the real world collide because it's like, you know, a, a lot of the connections that like we made together, like why this group of people kind of came to be is through Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Tor and I became like very close playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like my partner who is again, saving democracy in the other room. Thank you, thank you so much. Truly, truly a saint, a holy person, (laughs) no matter what your religion is. But we met playing Dungeons and Dragons, playing D&D online, and the way that we interacted in game, like through character, like said a lot about who we would end up being as people. And I don't know about 
the rest of y'all, but like I've learned a lot about who I am as like mm -hmm. a human being through what I've allowed myself to do inside of Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you've had any similar experiences where stuff that you've done or things you've experienced in game has had, you know, residual effects to you, for, for you in your life. Oh man, yes, that's a really good question. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, for sure, that's why we do this is that we get to mm. play pretend and take things that we feel and, and, and play it out. I mean, the other thing is I'm really into like having my players, Amanda, Julian, Brandon, like, have buy-in to our world so we do a lot of mm. like world building games and they have a lot of control over the places that their characters are but also their characters backstories we decided we were going to play Dungeons and Dragons with our third campaign mm -hmm. and I knew that there were I wanted to make changes to the game to make it welcoming to everyone that it didn't seem like Wizards of the Coast was going to do like mm. saying that you not using the word race to describe these particular things but sure. I think that the the quote unquote racial bonuses is part of the character creation so you can't just throw it out right then you're going to have an underpowered mm -hmm. character so something that I, I came up with was traditions so I swapped that from the countries that the players the, from the countries that the characters could be from while they're out on their pirate adventure so it, it's mm. more like you know as new yorkers our walking speed is twice as faster <laughs> oh, than from other places right. <laughs> or or you know like you're you uh have like a sense of revolution if you're from france at any time you will pull a revolution <laughs> happening i think that's that's the where the thing that comes from your nationality i think really mm -hmm. informs mm. what your character would do so being able to put that into your character mm. creation and then because my players each chose their own a different country, then they have a lot of control over like the vibes and the history of this particular country, things that their character would know that they can tell me. Um, which That's has been incredible. Really, which has been really fun. So, like, I do want this to be experience for all of us. It's not just me, like, throwing my shit at everyone else. <laughs> well, it's a good reminder of, like, being the change that we want to see. So if they're not going to make that change with keeping maybe – I right, isn't there rumors of race changing? Not that we have to, to dig species. into that. To species. But it's like, that oh, is we now don't have to wait. We could just change books. it. Yes, they, they changed <laughs> the word okay. only but not changed any of the actual – mechanics of it like there's still mm. bioessentialism mm. even if you're calling it species mm. instead of race okay. which is mm. ridiculous bioessentialism okay <laughs> it's my it's my ten dollar word that yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my questions for you where would you like to see D, D go like in a perfect world if if they called you up and said eric silver best dm in podcasting we want to know where the game should go what are one or two simple changes that would unlock it for you? Oh, that's hard. The thing is, I just don't care what comes out from the company, you know? Like, that mm -hmm. was the big thing about mm -hmm. the OGL. I, I don't know if you mm -hmm. followed this in the beginning of this year. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, but I was as in, much like, as it was possible. Yes. I was, like, a part of the letter that was written by all. And I was like, y'all, I, I, like, organized it. I'm at the bottom of the list of people. But I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not, like, a uh, third-party creator like they were. But, like... I was really plugged into it. If you weren't, no, if you didn't know, it was the open gaming license, which allowed third-party yeah. people to write and create things and sell them, even though Wizard of the Coast owns the like owns Dungeons and Dragons, right? right. And it's like mm -hmm. I don't know if I necessarily care what this massive company is doing because I think the game mm -hmm. is okay. We've seen Fifth Edition live and exist, and yeah, there are some tweaks that that could happen, but it's like sure. I don't think that it's even a top-down 
problem because it's mm-hmm. like then we're gonna we're gonna go do whatever we want at our own tables that has nothing to do with y'all making twenty five dollars on a hard copy book. Mm-hmm. That's where it's like if they called me up and said that I'm like I don't know if I can help you because they're more interested <laughs> in making money and expanding and growth as com- as American companies are in our current economic yeah. system, right? So it's like yeah. they already stopped doing what I was worried that they were doing, like turning Dungeons & Dragons into a game of service by like getting away from additions and just putting it all on the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that might end up happening anyway. They've kind of fudged some stuff about what they're going uh-huh. to do. I'm not exactly sure. But right. it's, hard to, it's even hard to say, Tor, because it's like I care what I do at my table and what i do on my podcast Mm -hmm. and i put all of my energy into creating something interesting and fun and if people can use that to apply to their own tables it's like it's like a molecules right it's like it's like atoms all of it or electrons revolving around and individually revolving around the nucleus of the game itself but yet they're not they're not related it's all happening all at the same time i you know you're talking about the explosion of actual plays and everything one of the things that i love about it is that i think it gives the community an opportunity to learn how other people play faster before podcasts were around or you know streaming etc it would take us years to learn new tricks. Yeah. You'd have to go to a convention and play with a new DM, and it, that would only happen once a year. And then you'd be like, oh, look at the way that they're running things, and yeah. they they do a session zero. I've never heard of that, and all of that kind of thing. And I feel like that's a real gift, just like you're saying, with to be in this, in this orbit, and we can all learn from each other in a totally different way than we used to. And one of the things that you were talking about earlier in terms of facilitation skills, that is something that I think would be really easily applied to a new edition in the way that some other role-playing games have, like Coyote and Crow and the Kids on Bikes people. They have really excellent facilitation guidelines at the beginning Mm. of those books. And just being clear and articulate with people about the responsibility you have when you're stepping into this this game with a group of people, I think is one simple thing that D&D could do to drastically improve yeah. the, you know, the splashdown, the, the things that happen, the ripples mm. in, in those tables of people who might not be listening to actual plays. It's funny you say that is like the thing you can get, you can understand the most about the vibe of a tabletop RPG. If you read the beginning mm-hmm. and see if they explain to you what a role-playing game is, what a tabletop RPG is, Mm -hmm. and how they do it is 100% how you understand the vibe of a new game. It's like, is this going Mm. to be easy for me to learn? Do they, are they interested in like the experience of what this this, like, this artistic and creative uh, and also game-related experiences? Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. So Eric, like why podcasts? Great question. Mm. You know, I know why I personally love podcasts, but like as the the device to whether you're trying to subvert or just spread information, what is it about podcasting that has drawn you in and why it continues to be your medium, medium of choice? Incredible question. Thank you so much for allowing me to say this. And I will explain to you <laughs> what a head of creative is by the end of this answer as well. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so I'll say two. I can. I have two answers. One is the reason why I got into this, and the one is is how I feel about it in 2023. The first is... I think that podcasts are the brand of digital creation that I think fits into the world the best right now. 
I got into podcasts mm-hmm. when I was a high school teacher. I drove in New York City. I drove all the way down to the bottom of Brooklyn, which is where my high school Oof. was. And of course, like, you know, NPA was like five in the morning and I was so tired and I wanted a little bit more control over the things that I was listening to. Like NPR, WNYC always wasn't doing mm. it for me because then they would talk <laughs> about like, I don't know, the mating pattern of some bird for like 12 <laughs> minutes. And I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> so I put on podcasts and I'm like, this fits into my life. I am listening mm. and participating mm. with it. It is like I'm in the story. It's in my ear holes, of course, when I'm listening to on headphones. There is an intimate Mm -hmm. relationship between me and the story that I love a lot. And I think that I've been able to see it from so many different ways, both like news and, of course, the highly produced podcast of what we all learn from like serial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also then I started gravitating towards actual plays, lists, almost making it feel like I'm an enhanced version of someone's table, Mm -hmm. both the camaraderie that comes from that, but also adding good editing and sound design on top of it. Yeah. But also just like the conversational podcast, like you are listening in on someone's conversation, but also it's guided and has an intention, Mm. right? Like it is still a show Mm. that you're listening Mm -hmm. in on. And I love that. And it's become the backbone of this this business of Multitude, this podcast company Mm -hmm. that's been uh, around since like since 2018. And I have and all the shows and I've been now I'm like the head of creative of it. So I've been I'm like my job is to consider like new shows and all the words that are coming out and like the best ways to get people to understand like the new shows and also the metadata mm-hmm. and the, and like the titles and the episode description. It's fun. It's a lot of wow. fun. I love it. I love yeah. that I get mm-hmm. to do this every day. The second thing is that podcasting in 2023 is one of the only digital creation media that exist that do not have an algorithm <gasps> and i kind of love that wow i really do I've never i did about not that. know this but think about it right like you can yeah. there, the discovery problem in podcasting is one that looms there how do you find new podcasts sure. yeah yeah well your friends tell you about good ones or yeah. you like yeah. read a blog or Truly something right mouth, it's yeah. so lo-fi it's so that yeah. I love it more than like trying to do what YouTube tells me uh-huh. mm-hmm. or trying mm-hmm. to chase whatever is happening on TikTok. I love TikTok, but I'm so glad I don't have to figure out what is hot at all times and the various levers you have to pull to make a good TikTok. Like I'm just doing it mm-hmm. for fun just to see what, see what's happening there. Like streaming is really close with that, but then streaming has the thing of you needed to do it like forever and it's more about like yeah. time put in, but also Amazon mm-hmm. will fuck with you at any time and just like change what's happening on twitch oh, right like it's still a monopoly twitch is still a monopoly which is mm-hmm. a, has a similar but different issue but podcasts you make your thing and you put it up there and you keep making your thing every week and it's more about consistency putting stuff out mm-hmm. in a very sort of like old blogging thing or making mm-hmm. music or like late night television i think is the best out al- is a good uh, <laughs> analogy for that too it's like, I'm doing my thing. I'm putting it out on a regular schedule. Let's build a relationship mm. with the show that I make. That's incredible. Because, I mean, like, there is this, there's something that is a bit more vulnerable about podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like, I feel like I'm in 
the room listening to some to, to a conversation that's being had with now people who I consider my friends. But if I were to go up them on the street, they'd be like, I don't yeah. know you. Yeah. And I'd be like, I've listened to you talk for hundreds of hours. How can you not know me? Mm-hmm. And like the the anarchic nature of it, I think that, that you were talking about that I did not understand is that's incredible. That's incredible. I was honestly having a little bit of that experience when you hopped on the Zoom call. I've heard your voice so much yeah. in Can my I tell head. You and now Can I tell you? Actually, I love it when people know shit about my life. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm so glad you're informed I, about my shit. Yeah, this I wanted so to good. ask you: Did you have good beer in Manchester? Yeah, did Were you, you have good beer in Manchester? Were you happy about it? Like, I need to know. It was a running <laughs> did joke. It taste like so? It was a hundred percent a running joke. How I kept saying that, like, mm, I'm only gonna drink. Uh, uh, I'm only gonna drink room temperature beer in Manchester. <laughs> Jasper was so mad at me. He went out of his way to make sure we had good beer. We had really good beer. We went to like this, good. this uh, like, I guess the equivalent of like a craft brewery that was like on an estate because it was like a, there's a big estate that's also like a public park. And I had this incredible coffee stout and it was really good. At one point, we went to this fish and chips shop in Manchester and we just like kind of ordered like cans of beer to drink with it. Also, it was the most hipster ass fish and chip shop it was called hip-hop chip yeah. shop and they had like oh. hip-hop posters everywhere it was incredible too i had fried halloumi like fi- like fish and chip fried halloumi it was oh, wow. absolutely incredible yeah, but basically they brought out the cans of beer and uh, mm. i said oh yeah this one's i guess this one's room temperature because it's room temperature and jasper's like what and he had it he's like no you're <laughs> having my cold one like he they just gave me a room temperature beer it's like no no, no you're not you're not taking that experience away no you're not <laughs> Uh, How was the show on the 19th? It was really fun. It was super fun. People from all over the UK showed up, which was great. There was someone, a a longtime listener of ours, Lada, came from Ireland. Amazing. She she brought this signed (gasps) poster from the voice actor who does Ash. Whoa. Uh, on Pokemon? Yeah. And she brought That's that. Amazing. She brought that for me. There was a guy who came from Poland. Like he visited like his wow. Irish family while he was there, but he was like, No, mm-hmm. I came so that I could come see this live show. And I'm like, That's oh, tight. Yeah. That's tight as hell. That's um, <laughs> so no, it was it was awesome. It was it was a lot of fun. That that audio is gonna come out in like a few weeks. But amazing. it was it was super fun. That's incredible. All right. So our show is When Crit Happens, and we talk a lot about crit. And so one of our questions that we have for you is do you have a time that crit happened? Yeah. And what did you learn from it? That's a good question. I think I'm going to take this back to when I first was learning to DM. Uh, the reason why mm-hmm. I started DMing was because uh, in a home game that we were starting, uh, the person who was supposed to be running the game was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Can someone else just do it? And I'm like, okay, I'll just do it. It, it sounds mm-hmm. interesting. I think I'd be good at it. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, so we started doing it. It was fun. I, I was having a good time. And then like the second or third session, someone dropped out of the last minute. Mm. And I was like, okay, so we can't do a cannon game. We have to do a one shot and just do whatever. So mm. what it is was I was like, all right, just give me five minutes. I'll figure something out. And I was like, <laughs> flipping through the monster manual and I came up, uh, I came across the Koa Toa. Mm. Basically, they're little fish people. Mm-hmm. When you get enough of them in the same room thinking about the same thing, they can generate a god. Oh. <laughs> They're very cool. They're very, very cool. <laughs> okay, cool. So I pulled together this one shot where basically like an adventuring consultancy 
hired mm. our party to like kind of pick their brains in like a double play, you know, like a double sided mirror sort of room. And basically, it turns out that these Koatoa were behind a curtain coming up with like a really fierce demigod that they were uh. generating based on like keywords from my players. <laughs> and then they got like released out on some town or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was that player who then became a player in the game who didn't want to DM. By the end of the session, based on stuff that happened in the game, I made her cry <laughs> because I tied the demigod to her character's father and at sunup, uh, during on sunup, the god the demigod was going to die and like or evaporate. And she had this mm. emotional moment and she was crying and I was like, Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty good at this. I think I could do this. <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm good at it. And that player is Julia, who is in Join the Party hey. now. So my bellwether for doing well is when I put Julia in emotional situations. <laughs> uh-huh. That's amazing. How did everybody else at the table respond? Like, were, were, was did everybody know that this was, like, an emotional thing that was happening? Oh, yeah. Like, her character was, like, had the... The the, char- the demigod was, like, based on the displacer beast. So, you know, like, the monstrous mm. panther oh, wow. cat yeah. thing. And yeah. it was, like, mm-hmm. dying mm-hmm. in her arms as the sun was coming <sighs> up. And she had made this relationship with it and compared it as, like, her father figure. And, like, everyone was, like damn dog and i'm like yes yes i made you cry (laughs) (laughs) and that was like my my second or third time dming and i felt and i was like oh i'm good at this and it's something Mm -hmm. that i really needed to prove to myself that like oh this is a thing Mm -hmm. i'm good at uh, and I can yeah. keep doing it. And then it ended up turning into a, this is even before Join the Party started. And uh, so when mm-hmm. we we came up with the idea of it, we were like, oh, I can do this. I can DM an actual play podcast that's going to be recorded and yeah. is going mm-hmm. to be like my main creative output yeah. for uh, yeah. over six years now. Right. And it sounds like consenting tears because I feel like sometimes we've oh, yeah. had emotional moments in our games but like there are some emotional there are some places we want to explore emotionally but then others that we've told tour that it's like no thank you mm-hmm. don't yeah. don't actually want to cry about that on the podcast other things sure so it found it sounds like you have that you found that sweet spot <laughs> in that moment i mean i'm glad yeah we were literally just talking about this how like in a recent episode julia's character was like really stressed out and like didn't know what was happening and also julia makes decisions that are always like cause emotional strife and frustration for her for her character like intentionally to like create conflict and i was like i can't believe this happened and she was like yeah you put me in situations where i want to have where i want to like wrestle with this emotion i'm like this is the thing that has marked my dming the whole time you crying based off of stuff i've done and it was wonderful amazing you know earlier in our pod we did we read this there was this awesome article in Wired about how folks are literally using TTRPGs as a form of therapy. Yeah. You can study it, you can get a degree, you can get like a certification in, you know, essentially um, RPG therapy. Yeah, it's like art therapy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because like for me, I'll just speak personally that it's like there are a lot of things about playing D&D that I find very, it's not therapy, but there are a lot of things that I find about it that are therapeutic, Mm -hmm. you know, that like there are, there will be things that are happening in my life, like whether it's work or whatever, that it's like, all right, bet Titan is like also feeling this right now because guess what? They're also me. And so like, you know, being put in whatever kind of situation and then like them, because they have superpowers, being able to (laughs) deal with it. It's like, oh, that's what I would like to be able to do. Interesting. I didn't realize I wanted to cast silence on this person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but which is for me always 
use will be able to then reflect back and be like, oh, I guess I that that is a thing that's actually bothering me. Yeah. Mm, maybe I should have a look look at that. And so yeah. that like your DM career is marked by allowing people the space to like reach points of catharsis. I think is dope. I'm AF. I'm trying. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eric, this has been really really fun. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we could go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, oh, we stay in touch. Oh yeah, we got to um, talk. We, we all gotta, live in Brooklyn. Yeah, we got. We all live in the same borough. We might as well. I know, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. It's it's my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you let people know where they can find you, what projects you're working on, things like that? Your plugs. Absolutely. Well, you can listen to all my shows. Join the party. Tell me about it and games and feelings. You can also find me on Twitter for as long as that's still a place that exists. <laughs> it's not even it's, called I, Twitter I refuse, anymore. I refuse. Uh, I'm not letting Elon Musk and his weird, weird life yeah. ex- experiences kick me off of that shit. Um, you can find me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O, my name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. And you can also find me on TikTok. I'm Eric the Silver. I'm having a lot of fun over there nice. from everything I said before about algorithms it's still just like <laughs> it's like it's it's still like a content creation app so i'm just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing mm. what happens amazing and to all of you our listeners thank you so much for joining us for this episode of talking crit more soon Bye. Crit on crit on <laughs> <laughs> hope you enjoyed the show everyone Special thanks to Cullen Fitzpatrick for our theme music and original musical underscoring by Wormwood, Balin Wagner, and Benjamin Bergdorf. Full episodes come out every other Wednesday. On the off weeks, exclusive content is released for our members. Head over to patreon.com slash whencrithappens to join the community. Thanks for listening. <laughs>